Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit AuditBoard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. Today, we have Marie Mills on the show. She is not in audit, um, even a little bit, but she is a business process expert and a documentation expert and an expert on policies and procedures. Um, so all those things tie together you know, within what we do and kind of some of our core competencies um, as auditors. She runs Clear Solutions by Marie. There's a link to her website um, in the show notes, clearsolutionsbymarie.com. And then we also link to her um, her LinkedIn also, so check her out there. Um, the reason we want to have her on is because we do look at policies and procedures and we do look um, for process improvement. And since that's kind of her area of expertise, that's why I wanted to have her on. Um, one of the things she says, a great quote was that just because you write it down and call it documentation doesn't mean that it's good. Uh, so something to think about as we are, you know, documenting our policies and procedures um, and documenting our um, our audit work um, that we put out there. So really interesting stuff. I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Please uh, reach out to Marie if you have any um, questions on those topics. Here we go. So, Marie, I will let you introduce yourself. Um but kind of to, to kick it off, one of the reasons that we have you on is you have little to no experience with internal audit, <laughs> which is odd considering this is the audit podcast, yeah. but you are a documentation and policies and procedures expert. So um, there's a big part of that that plays within internal audit. So that's you know the reason we wanted to have you on. So um that's how i kind of kicked it off but if you wanted to just kind of tell a little bit more about yourself and your background and, and about that experience sure yeah so my company is clear solutions and what i do is i help small businesses basically create a documentation system so that they can get all the details that are in their head about how things work and get it out get it down on paper so that they can share it and the work can be more consistent and <clears throat> have some controls in there. Like this is what you're supposed to do and this is what you actually do and uh, work more efficiently. And how I got to be here is I have worked in a lot of different organizations over the years in different roles. And when I would start a new position at a company, I always would look at the job and say, how can I make this more efficient? And after getting it more efficient, then I would document it because I never wanted to leave the company in a bind where maybe suddenly I just can't come into work and other people don't really know what I'm doing. 
So recognizing that I had this natural tendency to do this, I saw a need for it in the business community, a need for people to get help writing documentation and creating a documentation system, which includes how you store the documentation, how you share it, and how you maintain it. So it sounds very David Allen-esque in getting things done, uh, especially the piece about getting it all out of your head. It's yeah. something that, that's been a huge um, tip or trick or however you want to uh, hack, or however you want to say it for me is at the end of every day, taking every, because I've got notes all over the place. I scribble them on a, a random piece of paper. I've got an app on my phone that I'll take notes on. I'll take screenshots of random stuff uh, on my phone and there's somewhere. Oh, and then in my email, it's kind of a to-do list. And I mean, I got anxiety thinking about all this stuff that has to get done because I, it was just all over the place. Mm-hmm. And it was because of, you know, like what you're saying, getting these, getting these thoughts out onto a piece of paper and then for me, even consolidating them into one place, regardless of where that place is on a piece of paper or digitized or whatever. Um, like there's just a relief that comes from doing that. I've woken up in the middle of the night, you know, with like the monkey brain, like my brain just spinning. I got to do this and this and this, and I'll, I'll walk into the kitchen, get a piece of paper and I'll just write down whatever it is. that's on my brain. And then I can go to sleep so much easier afterwards. So, um, it's, it's, it's very important. Um, I think to, to be able to do that. So, okay. So I know when we talked, um, even though, like we said, you you don't have an internal audit background, even though I did hear you use the word control earlier when you're doing your introduction. So that's, that's good. Um, you do have experience with controls and the, the use case that we talked about in the story I'm going to ask you to tell is, um, with this terminated user control in the gaming industry and why it didn't work. Right. Yeah. So in this story, so I call it human nature versus procedure. So yeah, I don't know if there, if you've heard of the same, but you take a good process, you take a bad process and a good person and the bad process will win every time. Right. So how you write it, you have to write it taken into consideration human nature and the company culture. So I was brought into this company to document their HR procedures. And one of the procedures was the terminated user control. So employee leaves the company, you want to terminate access right away. So I write the procedure, we all look at it and agree, this is how it goes. And then I'm called in a couple of weeks later and I'm told my procedure is broken, it doesn't work. So I sat down and watched the guy walk through the procedure. And I watched him skip a very important step. And the step was that he needs to email the manager and find out the exact day and time that the employee is going to be terminated. Uh And it turns out they weren't getting back to him. So he he tells me, he's like, they don't listen to me. They don't respect me. I can't get this information out of him. He was pretty upset because he wanted to do a good job, but the company culture wasn't quite supporting him and the procedure wasn't working as it was written. He was a very young guy. I think this might've even been his first job he's new to the company and he was part-time. So he just wasn't, he didn't even have like a lot of, you know, clout within the company to make this happen. So I said, okay, no problem. We're going to change the procedure. And instead of you waiting on them to tell you the time, they usually knew the day. So-and-so, you know, somebody's going to be terminated on this date. We're going to write the email and say, we're going to terminate this employee on this date at noon, unless we hear from you otherwise and made it very clear that the responsibility was on the manager 
to change that because this is what HR is going to do and we've made that very clear. And then later we can go back and we can solve the issue of like, why are the managers not <laughs> responding to HR and not being fully respectful of them. But once we made that change, it really worked better in the company culture as it was. So that, you know, procedures aren't intended to solve employee issues, dynamic issues and company culture, culture issues, but they will bring them to the surface and you'll see, you know, where things aren't working well, but that is a separate issue. So you just need to write the procedure, keeping human nature and company culture in mind. Yeah. What I like about that story is, and something I've started to do recently, it's, you talked about they, um, he would email them and say, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. Tell me yes or no, basically. Yeah. Um, and like, I get so frustrated with just setting meetings with people and the back and forth. Um, like I've gone through to see how many messages it takes, uh, for me anyway, on average of six emails to get it figured out. Yeah. And I saw this advice and started doing it and it's kind of paid off. And so what I'll do now is say, Hey Marie, I just sent you a calendar invite for next Friday at one If you can accept it, great. If not, you have permission to move it around. Here's a link to my calendar, you know, Calendly or, or Lumio or, you know, whatever you want to use. Here's a link to my calendar. If it doesn't fit with what your calendar says, then just pick a time. And it, it and usually the response is fantastic. Great. You know, like it's yeah. two emails and we're done. So anyway, I just, yeah. I wanted to share that because I know, especially if you're working with someone outside of your company and you can't look at their calendar, how painful it can be to get mm -hmm. just when, and when both parties want to meet, but you know, just the natural back and forth of it, yeah. um, kind of be aggressive and say, we're going to meet on this date. If not mm -hmm. move it kind of thing. So anyway, I wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. And then, so a horrible segue from that to the next question is just the, the importance of policies and procedures. Um, we all know them as internal audit. Some people audit right. against the policies and procedures, but even outside of that, what, why should we care about policies and procedures? Right. So, you know, first, first and foremost, it clarifies the work. And I think it's so easy for people to think like, oh, I know what you're talking about, or I know how this is supposed to be done. But if you have to actually write it down, it, you know, it makes you really have to understand it and understand the details of what it is you're trying to do, how it should be done, who should do it, and what the end result is. So it clarifies it. It also holds people accountable. If it's written down, you say, look, you need to do this by this time and do it this way it's pretty hard to dispute that if it's well-written, right? So if people aren't quite doing it right, you can just bring them back to the documentation and say, look, let's review it. This is what needs to be happening. It also makes the work a lot more efficient because it's gonna be done consistently. It's standardized and people, if they have a question, they have some place to go pretty easily to have that clarified. And then the one I really like is the freedom. You know, it gives you freedom from having to remember all the details in your head and having to be like available to answer questions about something that could just be written down. Freedom to do other things. If you own your own business, freedom to go on vacation, right? And have other people step up and take charge because you have things written down. Hey everyone, thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at Audit Board, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. Audit Board's integrated suite of easy to use audit risk and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. 
automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. What's the, the, your thoughts on using video for procedures? Because that's something that I've found to be very useful is especially uh, maybe not even procedures, but just in explaining something, instead of sending an email, I'll record the screen and Mm -hmm. say, Hey, can you change this thing and this thing? And this is what I meant when I said that, not this. And the feedback I've gotten has been incredible. Like people just said the video is way more helpful than an email, but I would imagine um, maybe there's even a balance within procedures and maybe you want to document a type of procedure through video and a type through text or pictures or something. So just in general, what are your kind of thoughts on that? Yeah. So video is a great tool. And, you know, remember back to the days before you could videotape everything that was going on all the time, you know, we do screenshots, right? Very tedious. You take a screenshot and then you say, and then you do this and then you push this button and it was so tedious, but the visual was so helpful and that's why we did it. So video is definitely a great way to, to document things and to get a lot of information across very quickly, very clearly. Where video doesn't work so well is when you, and the same as for audio, is when you want to do a keyword search and you want to find that information. So now you have a video and if it's even a three minute video, you have to kind of go through and say, okay, where was that piece of information that I needed? And that can be a bit of a problem. So video has its place, audio has its place, but I don't think written documentation is going to go away anytime soon. And it's, you know, you have your core document that everybody can read and you link out to the video. If you have an audio, you can link out to that. So it's a great tool to be used along with other written documentation. And somebody just made that point. I was talking to somebody about video uh, on a previous episode that we just recorded before talking (laughs) to you. So it's kind of funny that we're talking about it again. And we were talking about video and how you can't do a control F and look for that keyword, you know, to find what it is you're looking for. You kind of have to sit through the whole video. You can kind of do it if it's like a presentation, because you can, especially if there's slides or something, you can fast forward and see this is the topic. Mm But um, there are services like Trimmy is the one I'm most familiar with, T-R-E-M-I, that will Mm -hmm. do speech to text. So it'll translate it into text for you. And then with that, you could do a, a search, but, and I think it might even timestamp it to a degree so you could kind of get close to it. Yeah. But depending mm-hmm. on the sensitivity of the topic, you might not want to upload that to a third party, you know, who's going to have access to it or they can own it, uh, own that. So um, I just think it's interesting that there might be some marriage between those two and video and being able to get the text. And there's going to be problems with that because, um, you know, I'll say a word that they, the, the text, the, sorry, the speech to text tool recognizes as another word. So you're going to have to go in and edit a little bit, but um, I think that could be interesting to see how those two kind of start to work together to solve that problem of, well, video, you have to watch a 45 minute video to find the, two minute thing that you need. Right. And that's where the, the documentation really can complement that because you can write down the key points mm-hmm. that is then keyword searchable, but then have the, the video, which is just, you know, so much more information. Right. In a short amount of time. All right. And then, so talking to policies and procedures, I think a lot of us see 
policies and procedures as a, a CYA. And I know we use acronyms too often. So for those that don't know, that means cover your ass. Um, so what, what should be the perspective we should have for policies and procedures as opposed to, oh, it's just a CYA. What, what should be our perspective on, on those? On using the doc, when documentation becomes a CYA. Yeah, so I have a, a good story about that. It's I was working with a company that needed to document a contingency plan, right? So they need they something goes wrong in one building. What are they going to do to make to continue being in operations? Well, this particular company had two buildings side by side in a business park, and the plan was basically everybody from building A is going to go over to building B, uh, and if building B has something wrong, everybody from B goes to back to A. And uh, as I'm talking through this procedure with the manager, talking through the plan, I, you know, I was like, well, I don't, I think there could be some problems there, right? You're, first of all, you're making the assumption that one building is going to be completely intact and functional while the other one is completely not functional. Right. And that may not always be the case. And then everybody, you've got a hundred people going from one building to the next, where are they going to sit? You know, how, what are they going, you know, do they have enough desk space? Do they have enough chairs? all the way down to, you know, do they have enough toilet paper? I mean, it's something to think about when you suddenly have your capacity in a building really stretched. And he looked at me and he said, these are really good points. And then he just signed off on the <laughs> contingency plan because he was just, you know, he, it was up to him to have a contingency plan in place, to have this plan in place. And so he did his job and he checked it off. And the problem is, you know, in a way it's like, he's doing his CYA thing, but the plan was no good. The plan was really not that great. He would have been better off not having a plan in place. And then everybody knows like, oh, we don't have a plan and we should probably get a good plan in place. But once he checked that off, there's the, the idea that there's this good plan in place that we can rely on during an emergency, which really wasn't the case. Yeah, so that's where you would come in and say, no, you should not be doing that, right? <laughs> so any documentation, right? This, this goes for any documentation. Just because you can write it down and call it documentation doesn't mean it's good. Mm -hmm. It needs to be clear. It needs to be organized. It needs to make sense. So if the content doesn't make sense, how is that helping you if it's documented? Yeah, and something we talk about in internal audit often is checking the box, what we call check the box audits and how we shouldn't be doing that. And that's kind of what it sounds like. It's just like a check the box. Yeah, we have the, we put the thing in place or we have it out there, even though it's not even effective. Right. Yeah. And another story I had about documentation where this is a problem that I often see with businesses is that they have documentation, but it's not kept current. So I was doing documentation, documenting operations for a catering company. And I was given this existing documentation to organize and I worked through it, analyzed it, organized it. Then I sat down with the catering manager and she starts looking at my, my draft and she's like, well, oh, we don't do it this way. Oh, shoot, we don't do it this way anymore. And then she realized at that point that the document she had given me was completely out of date, which was too bad because I had already spent some time trying to make it better but that's okay. This happens a lot. This is really common. You write documentation and that's a very good thing. At some point she wrote the documentation and then things changed in the company and the documentation never got updated to reflect the change. And that happens when you don't have a plan in place 
to go back and regularly review and update your documentation where it needs to be updated. So this, having a review plan, having a regular maintenance and review plan in place is very important to keeping your documentation current because obviously it's not good if it's not current because it doesn't help you. But the bigger issue is if you're an employee and you come across a piece of documentation that is not accurate, now it calls all the other documentation into question. Can you right. trust any document right. here at the company if you know this one doesn't, isn't true? That's a good and point. And that I think is the real problem. And then people don't want to use it because they won't trust it. Right. And an internal audit and audit in general, when we look at, that's typically a control that we'll look at is, has it been updated? Usually, you know, roughly we'll say within a year. Um, usually look for them to be updated every year. But do you have any guidance on that as, 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 how to, as how you would do that? Is it a risk ranking type situation where this needs to be updated even maybe every six months or we should consider it every year or um, just kind of any guidance you could offer in that area? Right. I think that you should at least a year, at least every year, review all of your documentation. And then definitely if some is more likely to change or there's you know big consequences to having it wrong, definitely you could review that more often. I think what's ideal is that you change as you go so that you know people are just trained to, you know, the documentation they use and they're, they're responsible for maintaining that as it changes that you just automatically think, oh yeah, now I need to go back and change that documentation. And to make that update process as simple as possible so you're not waiting for a bunch of sign-offs and this and that and the other thing that might stall out the process. Yeah. So real-time updates are ideal at least once a year. Okay. That's what I was, I was wondering, you know, if once a year and then there's obviously, you know, when COVID hit, I'm sure there's a bunch of changes being made. So um, not being stuck in that, let's just do it once a year, but yeah. you know, kind of using some judgment to say, this is when it should be updated based on um, what's going on kind of in the world and in our industry and in our company and, and so on. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So with that, do you have any closing thoughts? Um, just that documentation is a good thing. Even though it's hard to get started, don't let that stop you. Think of your documentation as a system, not just something written down on a piece of paper, but how it works together and how you store it and how you maintain it and who has access to what is all very important. Okay. And if, if people want to get in touch with you to ask uh, some questions or, or if they want you to review their documentation or turn it into a system or whatever um, way that you can help, what's the best way that they can get in touch with you? Right. So um, go to my website. You can go to clearsolutionsbymarie.com and check out my services page or check out, I think on several pages, I have a button. You can click on it and just, you know, schedule a free discovery call and we can start talking. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'd love to have people link in with me and introduce themselves. And, and I'm here to answer any documentation questions that you might have. All right. And we'll include a link to your website um, where they can get in touch with you and then your LinkedIn also um, in the show notes so they can reach out to you. Um, 
policies and procedures, I think are kind of similar to ethics. It's not the most exciting topic mm -hmm. to me, but then when I hear people that know it really, really well, uh, it becomes more interesting. So I think you do a very good job of, of making that interesting and especially talking about it and turning it into a system and, and the importance of it and kind of looking at a different perspective. So um, if nothing else, thank you for making uh, an, a maybe not so interesting topic, at least making it interesting to me. So uh, thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. I enjoyed it. Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show, so we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.